Podcast One production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. You're probably familiar with Aussie actor, writer and director Joel Edgerton, but it's likely you're about to get much more familiar with his brother Nash, if you aren't already. Nash started out as a stuntman and began making short films with his brother just to get work as a stunt performer. Now he's one of the most versatile guys in Hollywood, still doing stunts, but also editing, producing, acting and directing. He directed the Aussie movie The Square, co-written by Joel in 2006. He went on to direct four Bob Dylan music videos and earlier this year he directed the film Gringo starring Charlize Theron and his brother Joel, of course. Nash also co-created the new Foxtel FX series Mr Inbetween starring Scott Ryan after a long journey with that project that he'll tell us all about. Here's Nash. So, Nash Edgerton, welcome to Aussies in Hollywood. Thanks for having me. And um, it's kind of ironic because I'm sitting here in the same house uh, I was in when I spoke to Joel, your brother, earlier this year. Yeah. I believe you sort of share the house, but you're in it most of the time. Yeah, I guess so. Well, we both, uh, we're both kind of in and out, but yeah, we share it. You've got a really busy, exciting time because your big TV show, Mr. In Between, is coming out here on FX and in Australia. Um, and it's been a long journey, that one, because it started as a short film, right? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if I call it a big TV show, but it's a TV show. Um, uh, yeah, look, I first saw, um, a short film called The Magician at the St Kilda Film Festival in 2004 that was written, directed and starred Scott Ryan. Um, and I met him soon after the screening or straight after the screening and told him how much I loved the film and you know, wanted to get a copy of it because I thought my brother would really like it and I wanted to show him. And Scott handed me this DVD and said, oh, it's actually a feature film. And I said, but have you got a copy of what I just saw? And he said, no, no, it's a feature film and I'm trying to get interest in it as a film. And so I took this DVD back to Sydney and I watched it with um, with my brother and David Michaud and another... Um, Filmmaker, producer, Michael Cody, and the four of us watched it and, you know, I really loved it and I called Scott, you know, and I'd found out he'd been trying to get interest in it uh, for a couple of years, you know, trying to get it, uh, you know, released as a film or get distribution and, and, uh, and I think, you know, because it was so lo-fi and it, at that point it wasn't very well edited, um, I think people were either you know, just not watching it or only watching 10 minutes of it and turning it off. But because the short film version of it was so great, you know, I made my friends all sit through the whole thing and the further it went on, the better it got. And so I called him to say, I really love your film and, you know, I will contact distributors I know and get them to watch it. And he said, well, if you do that, you know, do you want to be a producer on the film? And, you know, and I said, well, look, if I'm going to have my name on it, I think it needs to be re-edited. And he said, well, do you want to do that? And so that's how it started, you know, and I, he gave me all the, the rushes and, and I, I started re-editing his film 
I should say before we go any farther that if you can hear some traffic, it's because we're sitting out on the lovely deck in the Hollywood Hills, you call this, or what, Laurel Canyon? Laurel Canyon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just so everybody's wondering, we're not sitting in a car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I edited the film and, um, yeah, and we got it We got it released through Hopscotch and, um, you know, played the Melbourne and Sydney Film Festivals and, and was received very well. Um, we didn't like set the box office on fire or anything, but you know, there was a lot of great buzz about, uh, the film and, you know, soon around that time, Scott started thinking of expanding the character into a TV series, you know, and then a lot of the hurdles I came up against were people liked the scripts. They liked me as a director, but they didn't, they wanted us to cast a name actor. I was like, I'm not doing it unless Scott stars in it. If that was the deal breaker, then that was a deal breaker. I was like, I'm not going to um, make the show with you if you don't want him to star in it. Wow. That's that's a um, a pretty big deal breaker line there because I'm sure once you started dealing with the uh, studios over here, you know, there were probably a lot of people that loved the idea of you directing and having that script. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know... The whole reason I wanted to do it was because of Scott and, you know, it just took, I guess, time and, you know, my cachet as a director to rise enough to someone to trust us to make it with him as the star. And he plays a hitman who's sort of in the throes of, you know, dating and has a kid and, and all of that stuff. It, it's not exactly a very, you know likable character in many ways, but yet everybody, like Tony Soprano, you know, everybody has a family. So was that part of the appeal to you? Because it must be difficult to straddle that line where you want to like him, but you don't want to... You know, what appealed to me about the character, you know, as created by Scott in The Magician, the the original film, like he was, you know, really likable. Like he had a, a strict kind of moral code that he stood by and and... I really wanted to explore that character further. I think, you know, I, you know, I just like you describe what he does for a living. You think, oh, you're not going to like this guy, but you do. You just really, you like him. And that was the challenge to show both sides of his life and, and show that he's just a regular guy whose job happens to be a criminal for hire. At the same time, he's got to figure out how to have that life and go on dates and tell people what he does and all the things you never think about. Or, yeah, or not tell people what he does, yeah. Going back to your early days, I'm, when I talked to Joel, he was saying that um, if you want your parents to be okay with you becoming an actor, have an older brother who's already told them he wants to be a stuntman. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's probably good advice, I guess. <laughs> so could, could you talk a little bit about what that was like growing up the two of you, I guess you lived in Durrell somewhere. Durrell, yeah. Durrell. Yeah. And, and you obviously did a lot of make-believe. You had your dad's camera. Um, why did you end up gravitating towards what you wanted to do there? Yeah, look, Dad had a video camera. He probably got it around the time I turned 10 or 11. And Joel and I would play around with it on weekends and make videos. And, you know, we were into watching, you know, we watched a lot of movies. And, you know, and we also... You know, played a lot of sport and I was, very, you know, we were both very physical and whatever reason, you know, when I left high school and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, started going to university to study electrical engineering 
and I wasn't really enjoying it. Like I was good at maths and science and, and it seemed like the right thing to do, but I just couldn't imagine myself ever being an electrical engineer. And at some point halfway through the year, I, um, I was at a high school formal and, you know, this kid at the table was telling a story and he said the word stunt. And I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a stunt man. You know, just like that. Yeah, it was like this clear moment in my mind, and so I went home from that formal, and instead of uh, studying for my physics exam, which was on Monday, I oh. I looked up stunt in the phone book, and I found a number for an agency that represented stunt people. And first thing Monday, I called them, and uh, you know, set about trying to work out how to become a stunt man. You know, and Joel and I knew nobody in the film industry at that point; we'd had no connection to it. Um, you know, other than making our own little movies at home and watching movies, yeah. So how do you become a stuntman? Well, it's, I think it's probably, it's different for everybody, you know, that I've worked with. But for me, it was find a phone number in the stunt, in the, in the <laughs> phone book, call it and keep calling it until, uh, you know, the lady at the other end um, introduced me to some stunt people. I just, you know, I called the next day I drove in there. You know, you know, she told me how hard it was to get into and I was just a persistent kid and I'd made up my mind, mind that's what I was going to do. So what was your first stunt professionally? Oh, I think I, I think I played a dead body in a, <laughs> in a car on police rescue. <laughs> that was my first. And then I think the next job I had was playing a dead body on a water, in a waterfall at night, also on police rescue. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I've done... Uh, many other things since then, but that was my first, you know, my first gig was on that TV series. I worked on uh, series two, three, four, and five and the movie. Wow. Yeah. Among other things around that time. But, you know, I started out, you know, as a stunt assistant and, um, but occasionally I'd get to perform in front of camera as well. And when did you and Joel start working together professionally? Was it the short films first or? Yeah, I guess so. We both, um, like, I guess around that time, no, you know, before that we both, like, I remember Joel got cast in Police Rescue. He played a, he played Ben Mendelsohn's brother in one episode. Was it the same episode you were in or? Uh, well, at that stage I was working on Oh, you weren't the dead body. Oh, Yeah, yeah, no. He, he was still in drama school when I was, when I started out on that. Um, so yeah, it was a couple of years later he worked on you know, series four or five, I think maybe series four. Um, and, but yeah, we, we occasionally get on the same, uh, films separately. Like we both worked on a movie called race the sun. I was doing stunts on it and Joel got cast in it. Um, so randomly we'd end up on the same shows and then, yeah, I guess it was around that time in 95 that we set out start making this short film and the well even, uh, it actually wasn't necessarily a short film when we started or we didn't know there was such a thing as short films we were making um we had this you know i had this idea that you know i saw that show reels were made up of clips from movies and so i i thought well if i shoot the little action sequence to put on my show reel and make up the name of a movie then 
people will think I've worked on a movie and that'll help me get a job on a movie, you know? <laughs> Good thinking. And I said to Joel, that, you know, and Joel said, well, maybe that'll work for me as an actor if I, you know, have a scene and it's from a movie. So we, um, we set out like making these little clips, you know, I'd shoot a scene with him and a girl he went to drama school with, uh, um, and I'd edit them together and shoot little action sequences. And then we started doing this thing, you know, it was like, uh, Joel and Kieran, who he went to drama school with, and, and Tony Lynch, who I I was training, doing stunts with. The four of us made this sort of little film. It was like had dialogue in it and had action in it. And, uh, you know, I remember we were working on that and we showed someone an edit of it. And they said, oh, it's a great short film. And we're like, what's a short film? And they're like, oh, my you know, goodness. <laughs> it's like a little movie. Yeah, a little, you know, it's a short film. You should enter a film festival. And we're like, what's a film festival? <laughs> and so um, we started finding out about film festivals and we got, you know, our short film was called Loaded and it, it got into a film festival, you know, the Bathurst Film Festival. And we, we went there and we met some other filmmakers and, you know, and the, the goal of making it was to try and get jobs as actors for Joel and Kieran and stuntmen for Tony and I. And I think the first job anyone got out of it was me. Uh, you know, someone asked who edited it. And, and, uh, and, oh, that's I got, funny. and I got offered a job editing a music video. And then, you know, and then Kieran and I, it played at Flickrfest and then Kieran and I got cast in a TV show um, playing a couple of thugs on <laughs> um, a TV series called Fallen Angels. And that was because the director had seen us in, in the short. We started realizing that this was working. We were actually getting offered jobs because of what we were creating. And I, and I think we really enjoyed the making of it, you know, even though the goal was to work as actors and stuntmen. Yeah. Um, and we just kept making stuff. Well, you don't have to sit around waiting for someone else to pay you to do what you want to do right yeah exactly and um some of your i mean most of your shorts are available on youtube now my favorite spider it's probably a lot of people's favorite but i yeah when it I has a lot of love that film mm, when i interviewed charlie's theron not long ago for gringo she told me that that's when she first um discovered you guys and she loved that so much that she reached out to you back then and that sort of started a friendship that yeah that's how we met she'd seen spider on youtube that must have been surprising to you when people started reaching out from everywhere. It's still surprising to me how many people have seen that film and and how much it's spread. I think it's probably the most seen thing I've ever made or been involved in. Like it, it it's played so many festivals around the world, and I, you know I constantly meet people who are fans of it. So you set up a company, Blue Tongue, at that time. It was that was that the four of you, or yeah, back well after we made Loaded. Um, you know, we set about to make another film, uh, that was called Bloodlock that Kieran and Joel wrote and it was going to be, you know, almost half an hour and we thought, well, it's going to cost us a bit more than the first one, you know, uh, I think with the first one, I think we spent about three or $400 and most of that was on things we broke or damaged <laughs> that we had to replace. I heard you had a windscreen, uh, you had to replace in one of them, Twice, right? Twice, yeah. Yeah. Unloaded, and so then we thought, okay, well, this half-hour film—if we don't break too many things, maybe we could make it for a thousand dollars. And so, Kieran and Joel and Tony and I all put two hundred fifty dollars each into a bank account, and we had to give the bank account a name, and we called it Blue Tongue Films, and that was what we 
were intending on spending on making this film. Where did you come up with the name? Uh, well, Joel and I had both. We had a blue tongue lizard as a pet when we were kids. Ah, that's you know, there's a lot of those around Dural. Well, when we <laughs> were around, there was, and that's uh, that's where it came from. And then, uh, so we set out making this film, and I think, you know, we we, we started shooting it over the summer in Sydney, and. I think by the end of summer, we'd only shot half the film, but we'd spent about $10,000 on t Tony and I's credit cards and we were all broke and we were like trying to work out how to get money to finish this film. And, and then I saw a, a, a an ad for Tropfest. Short film festival, John Paulson founded. Uh, yeah. And I saw that the, you know, the, one of the prizes was $5,000 or, hmm. and I thought, well, we got it. We should enter loaded in that, win that get that money and then finish our film. That was the, <laughs> the goal, you know. And uh, when we went in, I went in to Tropfest with the film and John Paulson at that stage was, was you know, running the festival. He was sitting behind the desk, you know. And I'd met him because we had an edit suite in the same building. I just didn't know that that's what he did until I'd seen this news story. And um, I tried to enter the film and he said, well, it needs to have the signature item. And I said, what's that? And that year it was a pickle. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can go shoot a shot of a pickle and I'll edit it in. <laughs> and he says, and it has to be a, a premiere. This has to be the first place it screens. And I think I saw this at Flickerfest, didn't I? And I said, yeah, yeah, we played at Flickerfest. And uh, he said, well, you can't enter it. You have to, you'll have to make something else. And I said, well, this took us six months to make this, <laughs> this short. You know, because we were working out how to do it. And yeah. Now the entry's closed in like a week. <laughs> and I was like, I can't make a film in a week. And he goes, well, you can't enter, you can't enter this. So went back into where Kieran and Joel and Tony were and said he won't take the film and told us we should make one. And, you know, a lot of the guys were like, oh, well, I'm not going to make. And I was like, oh, I got this idea. And I had this idea for this film and I told them. And Tony's like, well, I'm around tomorrow if you want to start shooting it. And I was like, okay, tomorrow we're going to start shooting. You know, and the idea... I needed John Paulson to be in the film. So I went back to his office and I said, Hey, all right, I'll make a film, but you got to be in it. And at that point, I didn't even know he was an actor, you know. So I'm assuming this was a short about trying to get into Tropfest. It was, yeah. It was called Deadline. It was about a guy running late to hand his film into, into Tropfest. Very smart. And so, yeah, I came back a few days later. I was shooting in the afternoons and editing at night and then... When I thought I was ready for him, I went, you know, came and saw him and, you know, Tony was shooting most of it and then he wasn't available the day I shot John Paulson, so Joel shot that. So Joel waited downstairs in the street in King's Cross. <laughs> I went and got Paulson and I wrote his dialogue on a lunch bag, I remember, <laughs> and I handed it to him because he said, have you got a script? And I said, here, and I handed this lunch bag and um, he read it he's like, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. And he came down and Joel was waiting with a video camera and we shot the scene in like 20 minutes and, and, uh, and then he had to go off to a meeting and I went off and edited the rest of the film together and, and handed it in the day they were due and got in to the festival, got in the finalists and, and ultimately won the festival with this film that I, spent, I think cost me $80. And took a week to make. Yeah. Wow. And, that, and I think that night was the night I went, okay, maybe I could be a filmmaker, you know, because it wasn't really taking it seriously as something. It was all a goal to get workers, you know, actors and stuntmen at that point. And that was the night I went, 
I actually really enjoyed that feeling of the audience reaction to the film. And Well, according to IMDb, you've got 77 movie credits in stunt work and 45 TV credits. And sometimes you're listed as a stunt double, stunt coordinator, stunt supervisor. How does that, how does that fit into your world in terms of your decision about how you're involved in – that's a lot of projects – yeah. Well, look, you know, when I started out, it was like anyone that would give me a job, I would right. take a job, you know, and then, you know, as I was getting more work as a stunt performer, um, you know, I was also getting work as an editor and, you know, and then I was making our own stuff on the side and well, now it's like who, whoever, if the project is something that interests me, you know, if it's a filmmaker I like, no, I, I love working on film, so... I still like, you know, I still take work as a stunt performer or a stunt coordinator or, you know, sometimes an actor or, which I wasn't really interested in for a long time. And, you know, even as a stunt performer, you, uh, you end up playing characters. So I, I liked that cause I was doing physical stuff with it. And then after I made Spider, I started getting offered acting roles, which I was always turning down cause I wasn't, it wasn't something I was interested in pursuing so much unless I had the control of it. Cause even Spider, I wasn't. I was never intending to be in it. You know, I had to have a prosthetic made for one of the things that happens in the movie, the, you know, the, the needle in the eye mm. situation. And the guys who were doing the prosthetics were doing me a favor. And they said, you know, who's your actor? And I said, well, I haven't cast someone yet. And they said, well, why don't you do it? And I hadn't really thought about it. And I said, well, I guess, well, if this is the only time you can do it. And I guess it's sort of loosely based on, me so i um i did it and that's you know that's how i ended up in the film and when you say loosely based on you had something like spider happened oh look i'm known to be a bit of a prankster i ah. guess and then yeah look it was based on an incident with joel and i in a car with a spider a real spider you know you know the huntsman's in sydney uh, oh yeah notorious oh. for getting in cars oh. so you know there was an incident with he and I in a car with a spider <laughs> where on the freeway where he, um, you know, he was driving and a spider crawled up his leg or onto <gasps> his pants or something. And he, uh, you know, freaked out and lost control of the car and I had to grab the wheel and we pulled over and he jumped out into the traffic and he didn't get hit by a car like Jill does in Spider. But I, I was like, wow, you really risked your life to get away from a spider. And uh, so it was that. And, you know, our mum saying, you know, it's all fun and games till someone loses an eye kind of thing <laughs> that parents said, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was – but, you know, I'm that guy who, uh, you know, as a kid I had a toy spider that I would put in places to freak my mum out. Well, she must be very proud of you now that you've been able to use that <laughs> to yeah, make yeah. her career. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You mentioned acting and that you were offered jobs. Do you have you changed your attitude towards actually acting now, or do you feel like that's something? Because a lot of your acting roles are more s smaller roles that you're sort of doing because you're there and you're doing other things as well, right? Yeah, I was turning them down, and then I sort of went, well, actually. It's probably good as a director to understand what it's like to be an actor. I was like, okay, just for a year, I'm going to say yes to any acting job that comes my way and just see what happens. And just to, you know, even if I don't understand the project, I was just like, because when you're starting out as an actor, you kind of just want to work and you say yes to stuff and that's how you learn. And I was like, okay, I want to try that. 
And so I had a quite interesting year of these random jobs. One was a short film for a girl from New York. And the short was my, the actors were myself and Chloe Savini and Harry Treadaway. And Harry ended up in my film Gringo. Um, and, and the cinematographer was Edu Grau. And the moment I met him, I was like, you know, at the time my brother was trying to make the gift and I was like, I think you're the right person to shoot my brother's film and I want you to meet him. And I, I think I invited Joel down to the set. We shot for like three days or something and Joel came down and they met and Edu ended up shooting the gift and then ultimately ended up shooting Boy Erased and Gringo. And so I was like, right, well that, that you know, when I think back, like that worked out saying yes to that. Um, I also got cast in a Dior commercial that Sofia Coppola was directing with myself and Natalie Portman and that. Wow. That's a little outside your. Yeah, that was totally outside of what. Well, I, your wheelhouse. Well, I, I had stunt coordinated a couple of her films and so I knew her and her producer called me and said, you know, Sofia's doing this commercial and, um, you know, she wanted to know if you're available and I assumed it was stunting, you know, stunt coordinating or something. And, uh, I said, yes, I'm available. And, you know, and he said, okay, well, we're still working it out, but I'll let you know. And, you know, a couple of weeks go by and he called me again and said, okay, it looks like it's going to happen. And I was like, okay, what are the stunts? And he goes, oh, there's no stunts in it. I said, well, what, what am I doing? What do you need me for? He goes, oh, you're going to be in it. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, what do I have to do? He goes, oh, it'll be fine. You know, I didn't, he didn't really tell me what I had to do. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I got to LA and. And, um, yeah, I had to be the guy in the commercial, um, which was, which was, which was fun and funny and surreal. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, I was in Paris and this young filmmaker who's, who had sent me his short films had asked me if I ever was in Paris to tell him so he could meet me. And, and, you know, and I, I said I would, and I was in Paris and I told him and he, he said, um, he said, what are you doing tonight? My, I'm, I'm making this thing and my actor has just pulled out and will you do it? <laughs> and I'd made this pact with myself. I was going to say yes to anything. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'm not really available till like seven or eight o'clock tonight, you know? And he said, okay, I'll pick you up at eight. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And <laughs> this kid picked me up with two other young actors and we drove for like two hours out of Paris. I didn't have a phone. You know, my, uh, my wife was with me in Paris. We weren't married yet, but I said, I'm going off to this thing. And he told me we'd be back by midnight and we of course weren't, we weren't back till like six in the morning. And, and was she calling the police at that point? <laughs> she knew, I don't think she knew quite what to do, but we drove, I remember like two hours out of town and we met some other, uh, another carload of kids with a camera and then we were totally like stealing locations. Most of them didn't speak English. I didn't speak French, but it was like what, you know, when me and my friends started out making stuff where you just didn't get permission to do anything. But did you f- speak in English in the... There was no dialogue and it was all, oh. uh, you know, it was oh, that helps. silent, you know, but you know, he spoke a bit and he spoke more English than I spoke French. Anyway, it ended up being fun, but I was like, what am I doing? We're out in the middle of the street in this country town outside of Paris. And, um, so that happened. 
I ended up in Zero Dark Thirty that year as well because Greg Fraser was shooting it, who'd shot Spider and a number of other things for me. Who's now a really big yeah. cinematographer. And, uh, you know, and Catherine Bigelow was you know, trying to cast all the, the, um, the Navy SEALs. And she wanted, you know, some physical performers and Joel had just been cast in the film and, and Greg said, well, you know, what about Joel's brother Nash? And, uh, and she didn't know that you were, well, then he told her about, you know, my film spider. And then she goes, oh, I've seen that again. Yeah. He'd be great. And then I got cast in it, you know, and so that, you know, and there was a number of other things I did yeah, but those were the four things I remember clearly. And that French filmmaker actually is making a short in New York. In a week or two, that I am, I've been cast in as well. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do do it occasionally. What does it mean to you when you do it? Is it just fun? You don't. I mean, I don't know if you and Joel talk about it because obviously, I mean, he's a great filmmaker too. But he, you know, it, acting is more what he's known for. Yeah, um, yeah, we talk about it. You know, um, like you know, I've been in a number of things since then. It's like I said, it's not the thing I actively pursue, but I do, I love filmmaking and I love being a part of a film. And if it feels right to me, then I'm, I'm down to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you did make, you made a great movie, The Square, a long time ago. And then it took you how many years till you made your second film, Gringo, as a director? Well, they came out, they came out 10 years apart, so... You know, I made a number of other things in the meantime. I was directing music videos and I made some other shorts and, you know, I was stunting a lot and, you know, I helped Joel make The Gift and, you know, my friend Spencer make Hesher and I think I was just picky. I was just trying to find the right script and I wasn't sure what I wanted to make. And, you know, I also spent a couple of years traveling around with the square because it didn't come out in the U.S. till 2010. Oh, came out in France in 2009 and and so I sort of traveled around promoting that and trying to get you know distribution outside of Australia for it yeah and even when I started Gringo that was a few years ago when I found the script and and started working on it so it was never the intention for it to take that long but I guess it did, but I wasn't, I wasn't just sitting at home doing nothing during that time. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't sound like it. In fact, I can't quite figure out how you've been able to do everything you do on any given day, given you spread yourself over so many different jobs. I mean, IMDB had a list of like 20 different job descriptions, you know, <laughs> from editor, producer, executive producer, stunt double, you know, yeah, actor, and then TV, shorts, film. It's, you know, music videos. Yeah. Is, have you always, like, you've never wanted to just go, okay, I'm going to just focus on only doing this because this is what I love the most, or you just like the variety? I think I like the variety. You know, every now and then, like, you know, obviously when I'm making a film, that's all I'm making when I'm doing that. But, it, you know, it's all a learning process. You know, I'm constantly learning from other filmmakers and in just about how I want to make things and because I, I never went to film school this whole journey has been my film school and you know I've got to meet some awesome filmmakers and you know actors and crew through working as a stuntman or as an actor or as an editor or you know a second year director or, or or whatever and you know I love making stuff with my friends and helping them make things and you know, so yeah, it just depends on what 
comes my way or comes out of my head or interests me at the time, you know. And Gringo was um, more of a bigger Hollywood picture. Well, it was definitely bigger than the square. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you had one of the biggest stars in the world, Charlize Theron, um, in it. So is there more pressure on you or do you have the same, do you feel like your job is the same regardless of? I think it feels the same regardless. You know, there's obviously a bit more pressure with the budget being larger. But, you know, like, you know, as you said before, I met Charlize through Spider and we got on well and, you know, wanted to work together. And we made, I made a music video that she was in um, before Gringo. But, you know, I knew when I started working on the script that I wanted her to be in it. Um, And so by that stage, by the time I was directing her, we'd known each other a long time. And because I think I met her first back in 2009 um, you know, obviously my brother was there in the movie and, um, Amanda Seyfried I'd known for a while. David Yellowo I'd just met, but, um, he's such Michelle a good actor. He's so, David. he's fantastic. And I had a number of people that I'd worked with before, you know, like Tony Lynch was the stunt coordinator on the film. He came to Mexico and so I had a lot of familiar people around. Rebecca had produced The Gift and then was producing this and Edu had shot The Gift. So, um... It felt just like making anything else, really. Um, you know, once it comes down to it, each day you're just solving the problems ahead of you that day, and yeah, try not to let the pressure of the whole swallow you up. <laughs> I think it must be a really comforting thing to have your brother so involved with your career and he the other way around, because you're probably the only two people who can tell each other exactly what you think of everything and you know that you're safe and that that relationship will stand. I mean, totally. but when you, but when you're directing Joel, is that any different to anything else you've ever done or because you had all the experience doing the shorts, it didn't? No, I think, you know, we have a good shorthand. I think we have a very similar sense of humor and we talk about films all the time. We talk all the time. We live together a lot. It's fun to get to make stuff with, you know, your brother, you know, he's like one of my best friends. It's like any chance you have that is great for us both, I think. Yeah, I think the older you get, probably the, the, the best way to guarantee you're going to spend time together is to work together, right? Yeah, totally. And you were a producer on Boy Erased too. What does that involve? Well, um, both on The Gift and Boy Erased when... Yeah, you know, Joel plays a character in both those films, and so he can concentrate on that character. I basically run the set when he's acting. Mm. So you know, that's smart. I sit behind the monitor. You know, we talk about the night before what he wants out of the scene, and you know how he wants to shoot it. And I basically be the other half of him while he's in front of camera, so he can just put all his energy into the performance. And so I did that on both those films. I've seen Boy Erased and I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful film. It is a beautiful film. And it, it's sort of so cool that you ended up having, you know, all, you know Nicole and Russell. And Troy and, Sivan. Yes, and, and Troy. Flea, who was born in Australia. I forgot he was born <laughs> in Australia. How cool. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, there must be, you must be at a point now where all of you feel very connected with the Aussie 
community in the way that you've all come up together or you know each other or you've worked with someone who's worked with someone. Yeah, is that totally. Is that a big part of your identities in, in the film world, in Hollywood? Yeah, I guess so. Like it happened, you know, each time we, you know, we any of us make something, we're usually trying to involve as many of our friends as possible, you know. Um, I just worked on The King in in Hungary that David Michaud's directing, that he and Joel wrote and Joel's in it and Ben Mendelsohn's in it and hmm. Adam Arkapoor was shooting it and, um, you know, so. Were you producing that? No, I was directing Second Unit um, and, uh, you know, it was produced by um, Plan B and, and Liz Watts who produced Animal Kingdom oh, for David. Brad Pitt. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was just fun to have the gang all there hanging out <laughs> making the film together. Now, I didn't realise until I started researching you that you had directed four Bob Dylan music videos. Is that right? It's true, yeah. Oh, my God. You've got to tell me. How how do you end up directing not just one but four Bob Dylan music videos? Well, I guess the first one came about because his manager had seen one of my short films and I got asked to, to pitch on the video. You know, music videos generally you pitch an idea once you know, it comes your way. So that's how I did the first one. They liked the idea I had and... Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, they liked the idea I had and, and you know, and I was able to do it for the budget and... What was your idea? Uh, well, it was for a video called Beyond Here Lies Nothing and it was basically this sort of couple who were physically hurting each other throughout the video. <laughs> um, and you're not sure whether it's a, whether she's been abducted or whether they it's a game they're playing, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, I made that. Greg Fraser shot that, actually. And then I guess they liked, you know, Bob and his team liked what I did and so I got asked to do the next one. Again, I had to pitch on it, but at that time I think I was the only one pitching on it. And excuse my ignorance, but is Bob in all the videos as well or does he like to just... He's not in the first one. So I never met him the first time. I just made the video and then I heard, you know, maybe a month and a half later I got a call saying that he really liked the video and they interested me making something else. And so he was going to be in the next one and... I think that was the first video he'd been in in quite a number of years uh, of his own. And I made that and I guess they liked that and so I got asked to do a third one and then I got asked to do a fourth one. So what's it like working with Bob Dylan? It's great. Yeah, we uh, we, get, we got on well and, uh, you know. Were you a fan? Yeah, like my, it's my dad's favourite artist so I oh, wow. grew up hearing his music, you know. Um, yeah, and then, look, he was awesome to collaborate with and, um, yeah, I would totally do it again. It was, like, you know, great experience. He's sort of famous for, like, saying very little and being very on the down low. I mean, he didn't even go and pick up his Nobel Prize, so. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, he has a particular way he likes to do things. And, um, but, yeah, look, it was such an honour and joy to, you know, work with such a great artist wow and when going back to mr in between you directed all it's six episodes all six yeah 
And is there another season or are you waiting to find out? Um, well, we're developing a second season. I guess, you know, whether it'll get greenlit or not depends on how the show gets received when it comes out. But, um, but yeah, I directed all six. We shot it, basically blocked it like a film because I was doing all of them and we didn't have a lot of money to make it. And that's all I really knew how to do. Um, I'd never made any TV before. Yeah, I was going to say it's a new it's a it's a new entry on your um, yeah. resume, TV I director. Was, I wasn't really interested in directing TV until this came along, and um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. You know, I'd done stunts on TV shows, and it always seemed very fast to me, and um, which this was too. But you know, this uh, this I really wanted to make. And. Um, your your is it your stepdaughter? Your daughter is in yeah, Chica. Ha- yeah. She's how did how did that happen? Uh, well, you know the character has you know in the series the character had an eight year old daughter, and um, you know I auditioned maybe fifty kids for it, and I just wasn't finding what I was looking for, and a lot of the a lot of the. Scenarios involving the daughter are based on things that have happened with me and Chica that I've told Scott about, and then he's written into the show. Oh, um, but it still didn't even cross Minus my mind. Minus the uh, uh, assassination part, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just the relationship yeah. stuff, you know. Um, and you know, so I wasn't really happy with any of the kids I was seeing, and then you know, my wife Carla suggested. You know, why don't you try Chica out? And now Chica's never acted before. And I said, well, I don't know. Look, I'm not going to cast her if she's not any good and that's going to be awkward. <laughs> um, and she said, well, you don't like anyone else you've seen and why don't you see if she – ask her if she wants to try out. And so I asked her and she said, well, what if you don't cast me? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, look, it's not just up to me. You know, it's up to a, a number of people and – you know, maybe it'll be a good experience just to try out. And I know you're somewhat interested in this kind of thing. And so she agreed to audition. And uh, I sent her into Kirsty McGregor's, who uh, casts a lot of my stuff in Australia. And I didn't go. And Carla took took Chicka along and she did the audition. And I called Kirsty later in the day and I said, how'd she do? And she's like, well, she was pretty awesome. And I'm like, awesome, like I can cast her awesome? And she's like, oh, yeah, you can cast her. And I said, okay. So I watched it and I thought, well, she was pretty good. And, um, and I showed Michelle who was producing and and Scott and they both were like, this is the kid. Like she's the best we've seen. And I'm like, okay, but how am I going to direct her? She won't clean a room when I ask her. So <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so then, yeah, I cast her in the show and it was probably – somewhat the most scared I've been directing anybody because I wanted it to be a great experience for her and oh yeah you know, and I felt this responsibility because you know I didn't want people to think I cast it just because she's my kid and um but it turned into one of the best directing experiences I've ever had like just I was so proud of her and we really like we bonded so well over making this together and um so I'm really glad I cast her in it so it's the family business now, officially, beyond <laughs> yeah. one generation. I guess so. I don't know what I've created, but... Um, but yeah, a, a lot of parents who are in the business don't want their kids to have anything to do with it. Obviously. Yeah, I would never normally let her do anything, but I guess because I was doing it. And, you know, you're trying to find the right person. It was surreal directing her in scenes 
recreating things that had happened with her and I um, in the show. But it was it was. That must have too. been weird for her too I'm to sure. realize that you'd been mining. Mining all those stories <laughs> of her life and suddenly she had to reenact them. <laughs> I guess so. And not even story, you know, not just stories, like there was just things she does that we put in the show, you know, things <laughs> she says. And <laughs> So um, she'd be coming back too, obviously, if you do another season. Yeah, if, uh, if I can talk her into it, yeah. Does your wife act as well? No, she's an artist. She's a very talented artist. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's a sort of a very art driven family then i guess so yeah <laughs> so what what's next since you never do just one thing at the same time um well you know i'm promoting the show at the moment um i just finished working on the king which is now in post and michelle and i produced a, a film called judy and punch that mirror folks has written and directed that's also in post that's at right. the moment I'm Mira. looking forward to seeing that. That's the Damon and Mia Wasikowska. Yeah, and Mira I've known for a long time. She was, uh, she played Jill in Spider. Yes, I remember. Um, she's a dear friend, and I think she's really talented. Was so she with David Michaud back then, or yeah, yeah, you were all sort of together yeah, as yeah, a group then? Yeah, totally. Yeah, they were together. That's how I met her through through David and. Um, uh, and I think I, I think I'd seen them fight in a car, so I knew she'd be great. To fight me in the car, you know, um, and they've got a great place up in Koreatown with Luke and yeah, yeah. So it seems like there's another Aussie sort of house where people come and crash yeah, yeah, or, totally. Yeah, there's always a bunch of Aussies hanging around there when they're in town. And Damon Harriman, who's done a lot of stuff with you and is in Mister In Between and in Punch and Ju- Judy and Punch. Yeah, um, he is sort of looks like his career is finally after all this time getting to that level where people are going to know his name, right? Oh, man. Damon's so talented. Mm. Like, I've tried to put him in nearly everything I've made. Uh, he was in my first music video. He was in a lot of my early short films. He was in The Square. You know, obviously, he's in Judy and Punch. He's in Rister in Between. I tried to cast him in Gringo, but the schedules clashed mm. with something else he was doing. But, yeah, I think he's fantastic. So, basically, you're all just, like, one big group of Aussies Trying to get each other jobs all the time. <laughs> I guess so. We're just having an excuse to hang out together. Um, and obviously going back to Australia, since that was where uh, Judy and Punch was shot, you guys are also eager to continue embracing working back home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, also incidentally, Mia, who's in Judy and Punch, I tried to cast her in the square Wow. Originally, she was, you know, she'd been in Sean Crock, who's um, part of Blue Tongue. His his first short, she was in that, and I worked on that, and that's where I met her. And then she auditioned for The Square, and I tried to cast her in that. And while I was financing, you know, while we were financing the movie, people obviously started to notice how talented she was, and she got cast in this other movie, and then wasn't available when I made The Square. And um, that's great. And, so. she, and she ended up in Spencer's short film, I Love Sarah Jane, and. Um, yeah, but we, uh, so that's a full circle moment too, ha- coming around with yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my last question I ask everybody on this podcast is there is just an incredible large number of Aussies now working over here much more than at any other time. You were, you guys were sort of in the wave before the wave that's kind of been getting off the plane every day right now. So. Um, 
Do you have any theories about why such a relatively small country has produced so much talent that's made it over here? Look, I think there's, you know, there's not that much work in Australia and everyone who I think is working in the film industry is there because they really want to be. And, um, you know, and I think there's, you know, we have a pretty strong theatre um, culture in, in Australia as well. And so a lot of the actors come up through that. and Or home and away. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, if you're going to fly halfway around the world, there's a pretty strong determination and, you know, I think we all, I, there's quite a number of factors. I think we grew up watching a lot of American television, so a lot of Australian actors can pull off an American accent quite easily and, um, you know, I think there's a good support network of Australians here, so you don't feel that alone when you come here. At least, you know, that's what was happening when, when uh, Joel and I started coming here, I think it's a combination of all those things that contributes to it. And obviously it's hard work and, yeah. It's that Aussie spirit of giving it a go, right? Yeah. That we have yeah. a great work ethic, not afraid of hard work. And, you know, and I think, especially with my generation of uh, filmmakers and actors, it's always felt like everyone's very supportive of each other. It doesn't feel very competitive. You know, or if it is, it's like a healthy competition where people are excited for other people to get work. And, um, you know, I, you know, I know for myself, there's this mentality of, you know, if my friend can do it, then maybe I can do it, you know? And so the more things are working out for your friends, the more chance things will work out for you or you're willing to have a go because of that. Yeah, I think that's the same with the new generation. Mm. I just interviewed Danielle McDonald, who was in Patty Cakes. Oh, yeah, cool. The Aussie. Oh, she's awesome in that movie. Yeah, she is. And she was saying the same thing, that she never feels this competitive edge when she's around um, her Australian actor friends because yeah. they're just so thrilled. When totally. somebody gets there, it's like, oh, maybe there's a chance that'll happen for me. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of new people that you must be sort of impressed with that are coming along now. Totally. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know. Um, yeah, it's always exciting to meet other Australians here that are, you know, making things or being in things and for sure. Well, thank you on behalf of Australians in Hollywood. Thanks um, for having me. I'm so excited for Mr. Inbetween and I hope you have another season. And if you're listening and you haven't checked it out yet, um, it's Showcase FX in Australia, FX in America and wherever else you can download it. Yeah. Legally or illegally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nash. Thank you. What I love about Nash's story is that it shows just how much you can accomplish by not letting anything stand in your way if you really want to make movies. FX just confirmed they've renewed Mr. Inbetween for a second season, so it's likely that Nash will stay busy too. He's produced Joel's new film Boy Erased and the upcoming Aussie film Judy and Punch. He also recently directed Second Unit on Aussie David Michaud's new film The King, starring two of my other podcast guests, Joel and Ben Mendelsohn. Are you getting the idea at this point that Aussies are all really six degrees of separation from each other? Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app, or look me up on iTunes. Listener.